0: Welcome to today's episode of Life After You podcast. Did you know that USSR consisted of 15 countries? What happened to 186 million people after USSR suddenly collapsed? Where did the 70 years of oppression go? Well, I might not have answers to all of these questions, but I do offer insights into some of the key topics, such as politics, culture, and in today's episode, religion. So today's guest is Ryan Quintero. He is the director of operations of an international organization called Saints International. They are aimed, their mission is to provide physical education, games and activities to kids so that they can grow in kindness and godly character. Their mission is also expanded to countries such as Zimbabwe, Kenya, Zambia, Guatemala and Haiti. They work with foster care organizations, uh, like Oasis Project and for kids and home home homeschooled kids. Prior to being a director of operations, Ryan was working as a CEO and founder of a SaaS organization company uh, that was offering resources such as leads and marketing to professional life coaches. His current mission is to grow closer to Jesus Christ and to make his name known. Hi, Ryan.
1: Hey, how are you doing?
0: Good, how are you? It's been a long time.
1: It has. It has been a couple of years, I think pre-pandemic, since the last time um, we were in person. Um, We had a lot of aspirations in the business sector back then. Uh, How's some of those things gone?
0: Um, To be honest, a lot has changed. Yeah, A lot has changed. I moved companies since then. Okay, awesome. And there were some good things that happened, some bad things happened. Mm -hmm. And overall, I would say I'm grateful for where I am. God is really good, and every day is a good day in Miami.
1: Cool. You know, one thing stuck out to me the last time we spoke, and it was your aspirations to become a director. Like You wanted to be in that role, and that rang true for me as well to the point where when my now employer, who's named Coach Rick, um, he's very well-known in the area, in Christian circles especially, gave me the opportunity to kind of select my title, I thought of you and I was like director of operations, you know, it could have been anything else, but just growing in. That was really interesting. That's Uh, one thing that stuck with me.
0: That's incredible. So let's start from the very beginning. Sure. Uh, Where are you from? Where did you grow up?
1: So I was born in uh, South Miami, South Miami hospital, moved out of there as a toddler into Broward County. Um, spent most of my time in Broward County, um, after graduating high school, moved up to Palm Beach County, got to experience some of the different cultures there. I mean, it's a little bit of a different ebb and flow of life. And then during grad school, back to South Miami for a brief time and then back to Broward County. So really, I know this area very well. And not to say that I haven't traveled. I have traveled to many different states and internationally as well, but in terms of how much I love South Florida and how much I know this area, just walking into the studio was like, wow, look at the, just the art and the design inside and outside the people, the culture, the someone outside was just, he was interested in me as a person. I think there's a curiosity here in South Florida of like, what is everyone about? Like so many people are different and have so many different views on, on life and the way that they approach things. It's very beautiful.
0: Just look at us. Mm-hmm. We are, could not be any more different.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm a Muslim and I grew up in post-Soviet Union world and you grew up here in a capitalistic heaven, some might say, some might disagree. Prior to the pandemic, how different would you say South Florida was?
1: Prior to the pandemic, um, I would say the thing that changed outside was a lot of people were more Reserved. I think we had an experience of how short life is and that moved people to take more risks to be more adventurous in their art, in their practices, in their beliefs, in their policies. And that has both positive and negative consequences.
0: Mm-hmm. I can definitely attest to that. Mm-hmm. When, pandem- when pandemic started, I was in New York City and one of the most common things that you would hear is life is short. Mm -hmm. Prioritize your family, prioritize quality time, and prioritize God. Did pandemic have any influence on your spiritual journey? Talk to me a little bit about that. How did you start?
1: It's interesting. um, In terms of my spiritual journey, the pandemic ultimately pushed me towards uh, self-gratification more. And it wasn't until I got to the end of that that I realized there needs to be something more fulfilling for my personal journey. I mean, South Florida is a place of massive uh, influence, affluence, whatever you want to call it. If you want to find something, uh, dirty to do, you can find it here. If you want to relieve yourself of whatever sin desire you have, you can do that here. And so, you know, I've, I've been walking with the Lord for a little over a decade. And a lot of that journey, while I loved God and loved people, I still had a false belief. I still believed the lie that something out there could have satisfied my soul. And so really the pandemic, um, didn't sway or influence my beliefs ultimately. Um, but there was a journey that happened almost like recently post pandemic that did.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm. I want to start with some of the basics. Um, first of all, What is christianity
1: so christianity is the word christian means follower of christ um and it's interesting to note that in the bible the word christian is used once but the word disciple is used almost 200 if not more than 200 times and so we as a western culture want to say christianity is just a religion it's a form of beliefs but really what i see it as is a relationship with god just like you have a relationship with god and we all have um what we think is a relationship with god my relationship with god is usually referred to as christianity Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. i've met some people that would use catholicism and christianity as two different entities
1: yeah so to talk into that and it's very interesting that my conversations earlier with some of my friends and people who are of different denominations um we had very Um, heated discussions today, and I think what unifies us um, beyond love is that Jesus paid our sins through his death and resurrection. That's where all the different denominations of Christianity kind of come together. Almost, I want to say in my beliefs that having different denominations is an evil thing to do. I think in reality, we shouldn't have to disagree so much to the point where we went in different directions and wanted to structure our beliefs in different ways. I think ultimately there is one God and there is only one way to God. And the fact that we have so many denominations, Baptist, Methodist, Protestant, Catholic, all these different things just is an indication of one man or woman's decision to say, I don't agree with that other man or woman. I'm going to build more on my disagreement rather than find out ways that we could have come together in agreement, Mm -hmm.
0: you know? i used to do spartan races
1: oh that's great so
0: that was a part of punishment for
1: not doing an obstacle (laughs) not doing an obstacle (laughs) yeah i've done a lot of work a lot i love that
0: um okay so some people might ask me why did i invite you to a life after you start podcast Mm -hmm. so i want to explain a little bit yeah Mm, the topic of today's podcast is religion Mm -hmm. and for a very long time of my personal life religion has played a huge role i became very religious at the age of 14 and have been practicing since then however when i talk about religion or i think about religion i think about what is it like to be a religious person in a different country more importantly in a different political system because yeah. we're essentially talking about countries like Russia, Uzbekistan, or Ukraine that still have a very much communistic ideology, even though Russia proclaims to be democratic. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, I haven't seen the proof of that yet. Right. And we, we, you and I are in the United States.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Some will agree, some won't. But I believe it is a democratic country, and there is a freedom of religion. So I wanna talk, when we talk about religion and comparison between the two worlds, I want to hone in on two different aspects um, and keep them in the back of the mind. One is how much the political system has impact on individual practices, yeah, yours and mine, and also the history of um, religion which will also include missionaries. Okay. I want to touch base on that. But before we go into difficult debates (laughs) or difficult topics, (laughs) I want to start with something light, um, traditional family values.
1: Okay. Sounds good. So
0: do you believe there are only two genders? Yes. Okay. What are they?
1: Men and women. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. And do you believe in traditional gender roles? Yes. What would be a traditional gender role for a man and then subsequently for a woman in your opinion?
1: So, um, the words traditional gender roles, I mean, that has a lot of connotations of itself. I don't believe, um, in the objective of women should cook and clean and men should go out and work. But I do believe that there is a dynamic, um, a juxtaposition of how men and women behave naturally. Um, innately in the sense of um men biologically have more muscle mass and are stronger because of that and so sometimes in their opinions and their decision-making skills they're more firm they don't consider things um as holistically which is not to an advantage or a disadvantage it is just the measure in which mm-hmm. sometimes some might say that women in the fact that they consider more objective things and are more detail-oriented to those things, that is the advantage that they have in the idea of thinking. And so, um, when you ask traditional, uh, gender roles, I think it is unfortunate that women have put themselves in a place to want to take more of the traditional, and this is in Western society of going out and working and being that place, because now men and maybe it's a result of men who led that are subsequently becoming more passive men are becoming more passive and what happens is now men are not stepping up and becoming the moms of the house they're not cooking and cleaning they're becoming absent of the house entirely and so the single mom crisis is on a rise i grew up in a single mom household myself so i know what that looks like and the challenges that that faces where the mother has to fulfill that traditional role of what a man would usually do, of going out and earning a living, and then coming home and being a nurturing person at the same time. So I I can imagine that must be very difficult for women. You have to go out and fight in the corporate world, and you're competing with a very misogynistic crowd of like hard decision makers, tough guys sometimes, guys who aren't very moved by love and compassion as much as I believe they should be. And then you have to come home and switch hats and be loving to your child as a woman, as a mom, to raise up a kid. In such a good way so
0: I can attest to that mm-hmm. it was really hard I think personally for me if I just put my interviewer hat for a second if it wasn't for some of the feminine hobbies that I have I think I would have been depressed and sad and anxious all the time yeah. because for a woman and that's my personal opinion being in her masculine is not natural being in her masculine 24 7 is not natural mm-hmm. it causes headaches yeah it causes self-doubt the issues of self-worth Etc., and then next thing you know you're on a pill yeah and um you're also making terrible choices i've never thank god um god was my pill <laughs> i never had to go on a pill but when i think about the disproportional uh push for women to be to be the man that they desire mm-hmm. um I think about the terrible choices that they have to make and sacrifice. Like you've mentioned, men did not step up to the plate and did not spend more time at home, contrary to what I think the initial intention was. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, when when women started to spend more time in their personal careers and advancement, and they were hoping that the men of the house will step up and help them with chores and kids,
1: yeah.
0: why didn't they?
1: I'm, I'm glad you asked. The river will choose the path of least resistance and just like human beings it is easier for a man to just peace out on his family and have not the burden of extra work when the opportunity presents itself
0: so it's uh simply the matter of choosing what requires the least effort
1: mm-hmm. but i also think that there's two sides of the coin i mean the man aren't stepping up to the plate and and performing in that shared role of raising children. But I've also seen on, um, the women's side, a lack of grace when it comes to what they will put up with. And I know that sounds maybe challenging, but majority of divorces and breakups are initiated by the woman, um, for the reason of the signs that the man isn't going to be a good provider. Usually it's a money related thing. Oh, my husband doesn't want to work. Um, money's getting so stressful that's causing other problems and it starts to build from there. And so rather than trying to work on the marriage and empower the man through affirmations and respect, we push the marriage apart and I'm, I'm speaking for women and I don't know, Mm -hmm. honestly, I feel like maybe I'm not qualified because I'm not a woman. However, if the problem was that the man does not want to step up and help. And rather than empower him to do so through affirmations and respect, we push him out of the home completely to where obviously, you know, in our justice system, children usually end up with the mother. Mm -hmm. So now it's like zero hope. It's like we went away from the goal. Mm -hmm. The goal was to get him to step up and earn more as a living. But instead, now we gave him an excuse to earn nothing in our family and be not a part of it. And now the woman has a double burden where she already started with one.
0: In my experience, the way, the way I grew up is the other side of the extreme
2: mm-hmm.
0: where you do have masculine men, men that provide for you and, 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 the family men that starting from the way they court you to the way they are as a husband is very traditional. Okay. You know, they go out of the way, to be honest, this was one of the, the hardest thing for me to grasp when I moved to the United States, because the level of effort that men put into dating is equal to zero. So I just, I, I, that was a cultural shock to me so the way i was raised they would court you protect you then obviously show the intentions as serious approach your parents it can be different from household to household mine is a muslim household so there is no dating involved um they would directly go to your parents after a certain time and ask for your hand you get engaged you get to know each other and then you get married but the problem. The problems start after you get married.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew that that was going to be it.
0: Because there is such a thing, based on my experience as toxic mus- masculinity. Yeah. Women being physically abused is common.
2: Yeah,
0: It's common for Muslim households in the post-Soviet Union space and non-Muslim Christian households as well. Traditional uh, uh, Slav ethnicities also have that, have that, like Russians or Ukrainians, um, even the Central Asians like Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, they, bit, they, 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 they lay hands on their woman. Um, it also helps that they don't have domestic violence laws. So now that I'm here in the US, I'm looking at these two extremes. One is the New York version of how relationships should be where um, the, wo- the woman gets offended when the guy opens the door, goes 50-50. And I have the other extreme where the man provides, he, he he's there as a provider, but there's a cost associated with that. Is this in human nature to go from one extreme to another, or is there something else at play in your opinion?
1: I think human nature is even more wicked than that. I think we have to work against our nature and, and to talk about kind of what you mentioned. Um, I think the approach that you mentioned where, the man goes above and beyond what is even required if that happened here, that would be considered way above and beyond just to get that courting happening, that dating happening. Mm. I think that's amazing. I think that is such a amazing way to go about something that we love. I mean, if we love this person, why not go all in and then some.
0: So if a man in the ma- mm-hmm. in America would go above and beyond in courting the woman he likes, it would be considered abnormal.
1: Absolutely abnormal for most women. I think it would be unfortunately Um, that's
0: crazy so what would be considered above and beyond
1: i mean i think you gave a good example of what was it was nice it the way that you painted the picture before marriage I'm, i'm just looking at before the i do's that was actually quite romantic in my opinion i mean you have somebody who does things chivalrously respectfully honorably i'm sure that there's a level of purity that's involved that today in western culture is not in place i think we do things quite backwards in that we are looking for hookups one night stands and then we build a relationship off of that that should be the last thing that we have is that sexual intimacy i think there's so much more foundational things that we should know about one another if we were to get into that type of an arrangement where there's needs to be a spiritual foundation then a social foundation how are we around other people you know, first, what do we believe? What are we around other people? Then what do we believe psychologically? How do we practice our day to day? Then we can connect emotionally. And then in the confines of marriage, we can explore that physical intimacy. I think Western culture has it upside down. And when I say Western culture, it doesn't just mean here in the United States. It could really be anywhere that does things that is outside of God's will. And then to add to that, you said that the in, the in the traditional way, after the marriage happens, it becomes a 180. So, I mean, in Christianity, um, it says that a man is the head of the household and a woman is to look to her man in that, but the representation is that a man is to be like Christ to her wife in that he gives his life for her. Um, Christ died for us on a cross and a man traditionally, you would expect, like if there was an armed robber, if something dangerous was gonna happen, you jump in that bullet, you die for your wife and kids, like without question. That is traditionally traditional roles. What is expected now when it becomes a situation where we're doing those practices to earn the marriage out of like tradition and out of like what is called of us rather than out of a desire of love, then it makes sense that when the marriage happens it's a switch. Mm. because it was like making a purchase agreement it was like oh you need these three steps almost like an acquiring of a business we have to sign contracts we have to have a negotiation once it's acquired it's mine and once it's mine it's mine to do with what i want beat it kill it whip it disown it cheat on it Mm. it's my business now i earned it right i worked for it there's no love in that there's no love in that just like there's no love in a foundation where it's like the new york way what you said of I'm opening the door for you. I don't really know you that much. I just want to use you physically. Mm. They both just want to use the person. One just takes longer.
0: Um, I always say that if my future husband is not willing to die for me, I don't want him. Yeah, absolutely. And to a lot of women, that's a very scary, almost extremist thought.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, frankly, I don't know why and maybe even don't want to know because there are some things that I think should be fundamental and should not require any questioning, like the self-worth, um, the status of a wife, status of a husband, status of the family. For anybody who does not see these concepts as normal, especially young people yeah. in their early 20s or even teenagers who are just discovering what men and women are and what relationships, relationships are, what would you recommend, what would you suggest them to do in order to not I think get lost in relationships.
1: Um, that's a great, great question. For the the young men and women who are just discovering for the first time, I would say, um, you know, ho- hold yourselves to a purity standard in that that is love. Um, love is not exploring things sexually. It's getting to know somebody and willing to find that place where you're willing to die for that person. If you're not ready to make that type of commitment and that stance then i don't think you should commit yourself physically intimately yet to that person just for your own sake of protection Mm. um, for for your heart and for your physical being and for the ones that have already experienced um, many different relationships uh, and and are still continuing to do that that journey that you're looking for that that thing that you long for that hole in your heart that you want to fill It's not going to be filled with sex or romantic love or a spouse. It just doesn't fill that no matter what it's going to have to be God, that hole in your heart that you're looking to fill with love, sex, that is only shaped for the Lord.
0: Um, what do you say to people who believe that you absolutely have to have sex to know the compatibility if you are Mm -hmm. compatible?
1: So, it makes me wonder what their definition of compatibility is. I mean, if you're saying that that is requirement for compatibility, then I would also challenge you on what your definition of love looks like. Um, love Mm -hmm. is more an act than a feeling because feelings come and go. And if we want to base marriage and relationships on feelings that come and go, then that's not going to be a foundational marriage, um, marriage that is willing to go through things that are, highs and lows through sickness and in health through better or worse needs to be an act it needs to be a decision um it 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 does get a little bit more involved in that but that's a good question can we go deeper in that yeah
0: absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely um i i saw this episode from candace owens the other day she was talking about relationships and marriage and how i think she was talking about English version of Reddit. Um, I, I don't remember the name exactly, but it was a blog post for moms for new moms. And one of the ladies there posted that she has asked her husband for a divorce after I think about 10 years. And she mentioned there was a few reasons, but the main catalyst of her decision was the fact that one day she was lo- late to work she was to ha- supposed to have a meeting with a client and something happened she didn't come on time and her boss was calling her she didn't pick up and then accidentally called her husband as an emergency contact and her husband asked they they told her husband oh we can't get a hold of your wife do you know where she is he's like no i don't know and they said okay that's fine we're just going to try to call her again She ended up coming to work. She had that business meeting. When she came home, she asked her husband, why, why didn't you ask me if I was okay? My work has called you and we're wondering where I was. And you didn't ask about that. He said, well, I, I thought you were okay. She made a conclusion in her mind that in that moment, her husband did not care whether she lived or died. He did not have the appropriate amount of concern of her life and she filed for divorce wow i think it's not as i imagine not as simple as just oh he didn't care about me but something was leading up to that and Mm -hmm. that made her decision final okay i to be honest personally did not see that as a reason or grounds for divorce Mm -hmm.
1: um yeah absolutely that's Just to add on to that, like, um, I personally believe that there's only one reasonable grounds for divorce and it's adultery. Other than that, I think, you know, marriage was designed by God. Um, it wasn't a man-made idea. It was designed by God. God made the man and woman. And the reason a marriage is in place is it's a representation of God's unity of the church in Christ. Mm. And so for a reason like that, it's, it's interesting. I'm sure that their relationship had already a lot of of dead zones in -hmm. the sense of love wasn't a good feeling for her at that time she was feeling unloved Mm -hmm. and his reaction i think was the final straw it had to have been because if it wasn't that was the only case like you said that's pretty unmerciful person on her behalf you know Mm -hmm. you know but it had to have been to that point um in my history um and previously i've worked as a coach in many areas including for two different one a matchmaking organization called it's just lunch and another one a dating um, and confidence building for men organization called modern flirting these are multi-million dollar organizations that deal with the field of relationships and coaching and things like that my experience and my education it's we have to build love um not expect it to be there we can't expect love to just come and and be there as like a feeling and I know that's what it starts off with that infatuation and that interest
0: that gets you through the door
1: that gets you through the door that's lust lust will get you to the altar but love is what keeps you together through thick and thin and so when I say that love is not a feeling it needs to be a constant working of of self-sacrifice what does this person want in this moment even though that there's a dead zone here how can I make this person feel special I have disagreements with people all the time and we just don't see eye to eye different personalities but the only way that we can be united and which i think is my big push right now is to help um the church be united in in unity because when people are united god's glory is seen is that i consider them better than myself and i humble myself to find out how they are better than myself what about what they were going through is where i was wrong like how could i be more humble in that case with her your example I mean the humility of just asking like hey why didn't you call I didn't think you were in danger and then going deeper in that like Mm. let's explore that Take a moment we fight for a marriage that we want to be in divorce is hard it's a fight either way which way do you want to fight yeah Mm -hmm.
0: very a very common viewpoint is that if the marriage does not serve you there is someone better out there I think it applies to dating as well. Mm-hmm. There's always someone better. Yeah. Is there always someone better or are you at risk of losing something so great that God will not give you a chance to have something like that again?
1: I, I love that most people, especially for young people, the conversations tend to, to skew towards dating and relationships. This has been what we believe in Western culture as the end-all be-all of fulfillment. If I find that soulmate, I will be fulfilled. Mm. Um, so it's interesting because my friends at church, we always, especially at our age group, um, being single, we go to that like too often in my opinion, like what's dating? What I heard recently was dating obviously is not a traditional practice. Like what you mentioned, a traditional practice in history was courting and doing things um, within the families, fam- one family to the other. I, what I found dating to be, and what a pastor said, was it's not a good practice in that dating is like practice for divorce. When you're dating, you're looking for something to find fault in this person so you can exit that dating engagement. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. Dating, dating is yeah. practice for divorce.
1: Yeah. Dating is practice for divorce in that you're always looking for something wrong in this person. And as soon as you find that, you can exit the relationship. If you practice that enough, you're going to do that in the confines of marriage. When you find that person that you want to marry, you'll find that one thing and you'll build on that and it'll be enough to get you out of that marriage. I think that is, um, very true. Mm. Yeah.
0: And I like what you said about dating being a new concept, anything that's new requires substantial data to prove that it's working. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, you've built a company, a company and you work, work as an entrepreneur. I work in tech. Um, and I think anybody who has some sort of professional career and understands the you know analytic side of things would think, okay, so if something is new, arguably you don't have enough data to have that level of confidence. Yet I feel like marriage has been a thing for so many years and generations and we constantly question it. Like yeah. the idea of being married and, it's also in, in, in the religious communities too. I know some Muslim communities that say, some Muslim people that say, either I don't wanna get married or I'm gonna get a divorce after like, a, 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 our first disagreement or first um, bump in the road, Why is it that marriage is proven to be the thing that keeps people together is under so much scrutiny and dating that is arguably a new concept so glorified?
1: Oh, that's definitely um, a simple answer. Uh, Being that we are wicked, we want to glorify things that are wicked, and we want to diminish things that are holy. I have a very radical concept in this. Um, I I have an example that I use often when I get into the right space, because it's hard to even put this out there for people. Um, To the original question about the gender roles, um, the Bible clearly defines them, men and women. AND NOT ONE TIME IN THE BIBLE ARE THEY DEFINED BY THE COLOR OF THEIR SKIN, BLACK, WHITE, Um, MAYBE IN PASSING IT SAYS like THEY WERE DARKER IN COLOR, Mm -hmm. BUT IT NEVER SAID THE RACE WAS BLACK, THE RACE WAS WHITE, THE RACE WAS LATINO, THE RACE WAS ASIAN. AND NOW WE WANT TO HARD HAMMER THE DIFFERENCES BETWEEN THE RACES. WE WANT TO REALLY GO OUT ON THE DIFFERENCE BETWEEN WHITE MEN, BLACK MEN, BLACK WOMEN, Mm -hmm. ASIAN WOMEN. And we want to blur the lines of gender so it kind of just is a microcosm of like anything that god gives us as we are innately wicked we want to just do the opposite this is in our nature yeah
0: um so i want to uh switch up the topic a little bit and talk about christian missionaries okay have you had experience with christian missionaries
1: I have done missionary work, uh, in the past, and I've also, um, been in, um, communication and, and working relationships with many missionaries. Yeah.
0: What has your experience been so far?
1: So, you know, funny enough, um, the person who gave me a very good viewpoint on missions, uh, was a non-believer. And what they said is that the short-term mission often leaves a void more than a help um now that's not to say like you can go for a week and then someone else is going to replace you the next week Mm -hmm. i think that organization that mission is established but you know missions should be for like without an end they should really when we're doing something that called by the lord he, we should allow him to say the time to, when to go and when to exit, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what we'll, was we'll really like the question there? I'm sorry.
0: So I wanted to, um, obviously there are opposing opinions on mm-hmm. the, the value of Christian missionaries. So I wanted to um, explore both of them. And firstly, I wanted to show you this video. Um, this is Jonathan Wilson. He's an entrepreneur and he comes from a family of missionaries um him and him, his family have done missions in africa and right now he he was on the podcast related to it, our missionary our missions christian missions or missionary expeditions are good for africa so i wanted to show this to you
3: the state whether it was you know various trading companies whether it was explorers but perhaps with the uh, the exception of the explorers um, missionaries tended to see themselves not always but tended to see themselves as very much distinct from the colonial enterprise uh their their motives were different uh they were often being sent out uh, with the financial support of local churches back in the uk or wherever um uh, there is an exception. There were state-sponsored missionaries, both Protestant and Catholic, um, but particularly those from the nonconformist slash evangelical, uh, which meant something a bit different back then to what it means now. Those those types of missionaries tended to actually be a bit of a thorn in the flesh to the colonial actors on the ground, um, and I can go more into that, but but they were seen as, a, as, as an extreme source of frustration because they would frustrate um, the intentions of the trading companies, who were obviously doing their best to exploit uh, local peoples for their resources. Uh, missionaries tended to get in the way of that because they defended the rights of those peoples. They also were thrown in the flesh to often the, the government um, agents that were, uh, or, or um, institutions that were present in places like to South Africa, Botswana, um, the Soutu, and so on. And I'm speaking of Southern Africa in particular, but elsewhere too, Kenya. Precisely because they tended to quickly recognize where something exploitative or oppressive was taking place and they would push back at that. So we can talk more about that. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah.
0: So I wanted to hear amazing. your thoughts on that video that you just watched.
1: I think that's amazing. I mean, he said that missionaries were getting in the way of corrupt government and getting in the way of um, corrupt colonists and i mean that is ultimately the highest call and when i said earlier like short-term missions don't work out it's because people can go in there with the idea of i'm here to fix a people group and people aren't projects like people are not projects i've been in recovery enough and i i'm currently going through that just one of the things that always stick out to me is that people are not projects. We're not here to fix anybody. When we start to think I'm better than this person or I'm worse than this person, that's when we exploit people. And so I think those missionaries, um, almost they're different than today's missionaries in a lot of ways because today's missionaries have a harder time seeing that the people in Africa that they're serving are better than them. Like how I said earlier, consider others better than yourself. Mm. Um, And if you cannot find that, don't be a missionary. You're just there to like do more harm than good
0: so here is a snippet from jordan Pearson's interview with yamni park okay uh, yamni park is a north korean defector mm-hmm. she fled north korea and went to china from china to south korea and then from south korea to united states i wanted to show this episode to you it's, uh, i think about three minutes okay. i'll put it on the screen as well cool So, um, just to give a little more context when she says chat rooms, she's referring to the time where she had to do explicitly sexual stuff to be able to provide for herself in, in China. And I think she also made a comment that these people are better than the ones that talk about inclusivity. I think she's referring to liberals in this country. So just to kind of give you an idea. Um, What comes to mind when you hear her story?
1: Uh, The Pharisees. And uh, for those who don't know what the Pharisees are, um, they were the religious leaders of the time of Jesus, uh, the people who would be the religious authorities, people who were acknowledged on religious practices. And Jesus spoke to them the harshest. Um, They were called to be teachers. And so, I mean, they, in a way, um, deserve a, a harsher speaking. You're supposed to know these things. How could you not? And so you can see in Jordan Peterson's reaction even, like from the, from the moment where he starts shaking his head, he knows that that was false doctrine. They were not preaching the gospel. The gospel is of love and not of works. There is no good deed nor bad deed that can separate us nor bring us closer to God. We cannot impress God nor can we shame him or do something that causes us Shame, you know, shame comes from the enemy. Shame comes from the lies that separate us from God. So in that scenario, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful that there's a man like Jordan Peterson, um, who is a believer, who is able to kind of also articulate so well that people on both sides will give him a chance and let, let him speak um, in terms of those people. And I don't know, I don't know who they are. What they did was evil. And I am learning how you know, everyone, and this is in like the book uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Everyone who does something bad does it with good intentions,
2: mm.
1: you know. Everyone who's committed some atrocity thinks that they were justified for their decision. You know, Al Capone, I was just killing the bad guys, mm. not realizing he was also one of the bad guys. So I, what I'm learning now is that we can't trust our thoughts in a lot of these ways. And I mean, I mean, we are blessed by knowledge, but we can't trust our thoughts towards when we wanna do something good, nor when we wanna do something bad. We have to have a wisdom that is beyond us, a wisdom that comes from a higher power. Uh, and that way, you know, the Bible says, godly wisdom and earthly wisdom are not the same. Mm. So it's just very interesting. I'm sure that that person um, who, who was doing evil thought they were doing good and thought that their point on that, that she should have died rather than commit sexual sin, um, was good. Mm But as you can see, like she had a reason that was good as well to do it.
0: Yeah. Her story is fascinating. Really, really tragic. What she went through, um, with her family, um, when she, she has a YouTube channel called the voices of North Korea. Mm -hmm. And when she became very known, in the media space, I think she has about a million followers on Instagram and probably almost a million on YouTube. Uh, her relatives that were still in North Korea, they had to go on national television and say publicly that we disown you. And I know why. I suspect why they did that: um, a, to protect their own safety, yeah, and and b, they were forced,
1: yeah. Absolutely.
0: Speaking of um, hardships, mm-hmm. one of the the worst things that has happened to religious people in Russia and post Soviet Union space, and still has happening, still is happening, is religious persecutions. Mm-hmm. More to the Muslim communities than any other community, but from the times of Ivan the Terrible through Katrina, the great Lenin, who used to say that religion is opium for the nation. Up until today, uh, with Putin being the president, religious people considered second class citizens, that there is something wrong with them, that they dressed weird, that they are extremists. Um, a recent example of that is somebody named uh, Islambek Ajayev, who is 60 years old. He used to have a publishing house called Ummah, where he published books on religion, he's Muslim. And he was sentenced to 20 years in jail, which in his age is equivalent to practically death. When I moved to the United States at the age of 19, my immediate reaction was, wow, no one cares what I wear. Granted, I was in New York city, but I felt really liberated. And I still do. So, from your Christian perspective, could you talk to me a little about the freedom of religion? Yeah. As a kid when you were religious, we I don't remember, I don't know if you were religious, but as a kid did you ever feel that practicing religion is something wrong? And then when you went into teenage time and adulthood, uh-huh. what was your experience with religion and freedom of religion in the United States?
1: So, um I discovered um a relationship what like the gospel I discovered Jesus and what that meant um at nineteen as well. So it's funny. Mm. That's when you came here. Yeah. So I was nineteen as well. Um up until that point I was raised in an agnostic home um with like grandparents of Catholic beliefs. And usually Catholic beliefs are um usually not always but can be for what most people say I'm Catholic tends to be like, I think I get into heaven by being a good person. And I'm, I only go to church when there's a funeral or a baptism.
0: Can we hone yeah. on that a little bit? Sure. Um, as a Muslim growing up in the post-soviet union, I had really hard time understanding how people in my circle would say, Oh, I'm a Christian. I wear a cross. Yeah. But do you go to, the, do you go to church on Sunday? Uh-huh. No, I don't. Absolutely. Do you fast? No, yeah. I don't fast. Uh-huh. Do you drink? Yes, I drink. Do you have sex? Yes, I have sex. Uh, so what makes you makes you Christian? So I was really baffled by that as a teenager. Yeah. I think now I understand human nature more, but why do people say, and so proudly, I'm a Christian, yeah. but I have, they don't practice Christianity?
1: I have a great answer, but before I go into that, and I think it's a great answer, maybe I'm a little bigoted. Um, <laughs> a
0: little biased.
1: A little biased, yeah. <laughs> Um, I have a question. What makes uh, you a Muslim?
0: My belief in God, that there is only one God okay. and that Muhammad okay. salam, is the last messenger. Also, my belief in all of the prophets, uh, mm-hmm. Jesus alayhi salam, included. That's why every time I say his name, I say alayhi salam, which means may peace be upon him. And that is the foundation. That's mm-hmm. the bare minimum, that there is nothing that deserves worship than one God. There is no intermediate between me and God. And I can go into more details
1: okay. later. Good, I love it. This is where it's gonna get a little frictiony. <laughs> just so you're aware, okay? Bring uh, it on. <laughs> all right, great. Um, so there's two parts of it. What makes me a Christian is Jesus. Mm. Jesus sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. It is neither my my um my love for that my ability to believe in that or my good deeds that make me a christian and that's what's i think great about um the saving grace of knowing that now to answer the question of when they respond with i have a cross and i even if they did go to church on sundays even if they served with widows and orphans every single day you know the bible says true religion is helping widows and orphans and that basically just means that um, the highest good deed that you can probably do is helping widows and orphans. That's mm-hmm. how I kind of view it. Jesus says, "They, w- you will know they are my disciples by the love they have for one another. So when someone says they have a cross or that they go to church even, or that they've been a Christian for decades, their whole life, my family's Catholic. I hear that all the time when I mm-hmm. talk to people. Mm-hmm. My family's Catholic. And I ask them, do you know the gospel? Are you a believer? My family's Catholic. I'm like you just watch somebody show. see how they love someone see how they love see how they love everyone you know Mm. see how they love the person that they disagree with see how they love the person that they dislike yeah you know that's a deep deep love can you love the person who abused you can you love the person who who blasphemes you who talks all gossip about you can you love that person because in a way like imagine what we did to god in in our sinful nature Mm. you know and so that's how i i know um, they are believers. The so law, yeah. is it,
0: yeah. is it a fair statement to say that for them, Christianity is more like a national identity versus yeah. religious identity?
1: Um, so even religious identity is, um, the national identity. I think for, for me, I don't identify with a religion in that. When I mentioned earlier, religion is, is doing good things. Um, a relationship with God is what I mean when I say I'm a Christian.
0: Mm. Um, Is USA a country where everyone can freely practice their religion?
1: Uh, Yes, unfortunately.
0: Why unfortunately?
1: It's, um, the fact that we're able to do so much freedoms that we have a desire to do so much chaos. And, um, you know, I had this statement running through my head that I was ready to like send and Mm -hmm. so i think this is the time it was that um i know that there's a a a very evil war happening right now in ukraine and uh, russia and i i was listening to um, a sermon by billy graham which is one of the best um, evangelical preachers of the 20th century and he said it's sometimes in peacetime that is worse than wartime wartime humbles people and it brings them together in a spirit of unity Peace is when we're able to explore And do things that are evil And I think a good example of that is was in A peacetime Is when we stormed the capital A peacetime is when we had a desire for war We needed it, we needed some kind of fulfillment We needed some kind of answer We needed more, we wanted to start a revolution When there was nothing but peace yeah. And so it kind of It burdens me, I mean The freedom that we were able to experience And the fact that this country was founded on They wanted to start Protestantism. They wanted to get away from Catholic traditional practices and begin Protestantism, perhaps for the right reasons. The same way that that woman wanted to divorce her um, husband, there was a dead space in the practice of Catholicism at that time. There was no love anymore. It was just tradition. In the same way that Jesus called out the Pharisees, they had no love. They had Jewish tradition. They had practice after practice that just, when we do that, we start to push people down. We take away love and we do the opposite. We start hating people. And so now with that freedom, it becomes, there's so many different religions here. There's so many different opportunities. I can be a Scientologist, a Methodist, a Protestant, a Taoist, a Buddhist, a a Muslim, and a Jewish person all in the same week, you Mm -hmm. know? And nobody would bat an eye. And it kind of goes to like, really, what do you stand for? Who are you and why are you doing this? Is it just to find a deeper meaning? Well, it's not gonna be in any title. It's not gonna be in any religious. It's not in one denomination versus the other. It's in the fact that Jesus died for you and that there's a relationship that that allows you to have with God.
0: I think if, if I had an easy upbringing, I don't think I would have been religious. Yeah. The desire to be close to God came with very tragic events in my life. So I definitely see you saying what you're saying about peace versus chaotic times or the times of war. It definitely not only brings you closer to God, but it invites unity between you and people around you. Speaking of unity, what does it mean to respect other religions
2: That's
1: or
0: being question. tolerant?
1: Wow. So we're told now, um, tolerant is almost a abused word. I think in the sense of, you know, there's this, there's a quote that in order for evil to prevail, good men just need to lie down and do nothing. And so, is that what you mean by tolerant? Like, what are we tolerant to? Are we tolerant to the uh, propagation of um, transsexual transgenderism on a five-year-old mm-hmm. and pushing hormones at six? Are we tolerant of that um, because it's not my family? Are we tolerant of abortions? And just because I'm not a woman, I have no say in that, I have to just tolerate it, you know? um, where does the line draw when it comes to tolerance? And so, you know, even atheists can agree that if I believe um, that there is a place called hell, and if we don't come to a place of knowing the gospel and, and having that faith given to us, that you'll go there, it would be quite wicked of me to not tell you the, the way to escape that fate. Mm-hmm. It would be quite evil for me to do so. And so if i'm tolerant of that and i just tolerate the fact that i believe this person is is doomed then that's pretty bad i mean i'm I'm be a bad person but that's not the reason i do it i do it quite on the opposite of that spectrum it's just it's similar the reason that i i like to proclaim my faith and share it with other people um it's similar um but you know i i had another situation that i wanted to bring up and it was an example of of china and it's unfortunate that the video had some issues with china because there is Good Christians in China as well. There's good and bad Christians everywhere, really with anything. There's good and bad people in everything. But the fact that we have religious freedoms here, we take it so much for granted, we take so much the ability to have a relationship with God here in this country for granted, when it's something that we're looking for so desperately versus in China, I heard stories that they'll walk eight hours just to have where they have a Bible because it's forbidden there. You know, it's, you can't have Bible. Your Jesus needs to be the dictator. Um, in a communist regime, usually.
0: So some people yeah. will say, Ryan, mm-hmm. you live in a free country, everybody does what they want. Yeah. Why do you care if yeah. you yourself have the freedom to practice your religion?
1: You know, I did whatever I wanted for many years. I mean, I did it twice. Um, and just so that you know, I did whatever I wanted until I was 19, um, grow up in South Florida. It's a fast paced place, you grow up quickly by 1617 I was going to four parties on a weekend. I was mm. talking to the prom kings and I was doing all kinds of fun, drugs and lots of of just debauchery and things that were not good. Um and then I I heard in that longing that there was um a god and there was a savior. There was the, the story of Jesus became real. I mean, I saw a picture of Jesus and I was like that's an interesting looking picture of a guy. And I knew that Jesus was like this holy being that I couldn't touch for for, for nothing. Like I just Couldn't get to him. It was, oh, he's special. I don't want to deal. I don't want to say any bad things about God because that might be a bad thing. Did you feel
0: you were not pure
1: enough? It could be that. Yeah. It's almost like an ignorance though, I think. And then once I heard the gospel for the first time, it cured that ignorance. It gave me some fulfillment. It gave me that fulfillment. And then as a Christian, as, as a safe person, I still had to work out some of the sinful desires. I mean, there was so much pleasure in that so much pleasure in the party and doing whatever you wanted to do but it ultimately left me empty and so i had another journey where i kind of what the christianese term backslid um but really backslid. yeah backslid backsliding it's basically like you were delivered from something and then you kind of went back to it like you you were addicted to to drugs you stopped doing drugs and you went back to it almost like a relapse but mm. spiritually too because relapses with drugs backsliding could be like a spiritual thing like you we're less prideful. Now you're more prideful again. Long story short, um, I went back and I was partying with some very affluent people here in South Florida, millionaires, influential people, things that they were doing were a full exploration of that, of that, um, you know, liberalness, of Mm. that, that freedoms that we have here. And it leaves so many people more broken and empty. It really does. And I'm so grateful that God was able to show me like, Hey, these people that you party with, they don't have love for you there, you want to see if they, and it wasn't because I wanted to party or anything like that. The reason I went back in to those practices was because I wanted to see if these people could love without God. And ultimately they kind of left me like vultures and jackals and it broke my heart, um, because, you know, maybe they didn't know what they were doing, but it left me so alone in a place where I was party after party after party. And I came back to church after being only away for two months. And I had a moment where I went to this church for 10 years and I was only away for two months in this two, two months of partying. And I was like, I don't know where to sit. I don't know how to act. I don't know where to be. I've been here for 10 years. I I don't sit where I sit anymore. I'm in the front row. Why am I in the front row? It's so weird. I don't know who to talk to. My friends don't want to see me. or do they I'm so confused. And that's when the moment where I experienced God's grace and God's love and something that delivered me from any desire to do anything other than that. It was such a opportunity of like, Hey, You're a a mess, but there's a love that is so much bigger than anything that you could do or not do that just is okay. It covers you and Mm. that has been an amazing thing for me because it's allowed me to go all in. So no longer just a safe person who's not fully surrendered, but a safe person who is completely committed to the call of of Christ.
0: The Muslim communities in Russia Mm -hmm. are very, very practicing and partially because they are being persecuted. I've seen this over and over again, and I think you mentioned that as well. When you are in a chaotic environment and someone, government or a group, is against your beliefs, you arm up with more knowledge and you become closer to God. So I want to explore the question of, does the political system of the country that you're in affects your level of religiosity?
1: Um, it, it can, um, I mean, there's so many freedoms to explore religion here, like, like we discussed, and then you're telling me that in Russia, Muslims are going deeper in their faith because of the persecution. That's definitely true. I mean, being persecuted and like I mentioned about wartime, those kind of things have make you draw closer to God. Um, you you have to, in a lot of ways.
0: Yes, you have to, because otherwise your circumstances is unbearable
1: yeah yeah it can be
0: definitely but why do we have to suffer so much to be close to God mm-hmm. can't we as adults as as intellectual human beings the only species that were gifted with intellect to make that decision for ourselves
2: yeah
1: that's an interesting question I think there's two sides to that I mean there's the one side where I would go and say like, why is there suffering if God is good? And then there's the other side of like, why couldn't we make good decisions? Um, you know, God gave us free will. And I think that was his, one of his greatest gifts that he gave humanity. He gave us the decision to choose because without that decision, without that ability, there's no love. You have to choose love. Love is, um, not something that you just feel. It has Mm -hmm. to be something that you choose that goes back to what we said earlier. I have a friend who has a saying, he says, when you marry somebody, you love who you choose and you choose who you love Mm. so you choose who you love you love who you choose so you continuously love that person you chose that person continue to love them that was your choice at one Mm. point like love that choice it's a good choice right and so I mean
0: and respect that choice too yeah I think that is also important should the law ever prohibit the practice of religion
1: the law often prohibits the practice of a religion in many circumstances. I mean, that's that's in the Bible many times. People who didn't want to bow down or they were given a, a new religion so that they had to worship and they had to give away their old religion, which was, um, you know, a religion with God. And they refused. And a lot of times they were killed. Sometimes they were delivered. Um, but ultimately, like, we should uphold what we believe from God. I mean, you know, the Bible says we should honor the government's laws. We should um obey the laws of of Mm. our governor. And we should honor and respect our governor. And there's so much brokenness in so many areas of that. Um but only until it it conflicts with God's laws. Oh, I
0: really want to talk about that. Yeah. Because right now the Russian church is the largest supporter of Russian government. Mm -hmm. And it has been for centuries. Mm -hmm. i mean russia has larger uh, more larger and longer history than united states so during the tsarism church was a vessel that had enormous power over decisions made in the country during ussr maybe not so much however it did have some pull on the privileges that were um, distributed to religious organizations nowadays it has an an enormous power and as an adult i think i am seeing the world less in black and white but i want to share what i was thinking when i was a teenager i think i was appalled and honestly very upset that the church sees how much bad the government is doing especially to the minorities in in russia to the muslim communities Mm -hmm. like planting drugs on religious leaders that became influential so that they don't spread the religion anymore or forcing them to commit terrorist attacks so that their families are no longer persecuted. So the families are safe. And I would think to myself, wow, like if you are so religious, if you, again, like you wear the cross, you say that you're Christian, why is it okay for you to see that other people are suffering so much throughout the history? Like there was this group called, Novochristianska cantora in Russia, which would go into the Muslim villages and forcibly make people Christians. I say that to say, as a, as a kid, as a teenager, I was extremely frustrated because I could not understand for the life of me, why someone who says he's a God fearing person, a Christian is a, okay with what's happening to other people in, in their country, but B okay with what their government is doing to other Christians. So if you're a Christian and you don't agree with Putin, they're going to make you disappear. Especially if you're influential.
2: Yeah.
0: You better first run, leave the country and then speak.
2: <laughs> That's terrible.
0: So I want to talk about that. And sorry I got a little
1: No, it's uh, okay. Frustrated. I like you need to be passionate. I think I want to be so passionate about this because again, like Jesus really only yelled at the religious leaders, you know? He didn't yell at the people who were in the sin. He yelled at the religious leaders. He yelled at the Jewish like priests at the time. Like the fact that they proclaimed God and were doing evil in God's name is is like a double evil, you know? Mm. And so those Christians, like those are Christians that wear a cross and call themselves Christians, but they do not know God. And Mm. the Bible talks about that. It's like people who sometimes think that they are a Christian, that they're saved to go to heaven and they don't know the Lord. You'll know them by the love that they have for one another. And that is not love. Killing people is not love. Forcing people to do something that they don't want to do is not love. Mm. You know, Jesus loved in such a way that even when he was with the sinners and he partied with them, he didn't give in to their practices of immorality, but he was invited back to continue partying. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't invite somebody back if they forced you to change your beliefs. You wouldn't right. invite somebody back if they murdered you. Right. But he loved in such a way that he was invited back, you know
0: is it is it not so in in the islamic tradition it's it's very obvious that if you see the government body do something against you and the people that you love that you should protest mm-hmm. physically verbally etc in in the christian tradition if you see a government do something against what you consider right mm-hmm. as a religious person like where is the line between obeying being the government versus protecting your religion? Does it manifest in also protesting against say what Putin does? Um, and speaking up again, I mean, speaking for the Christians that are suffering in Ukraine, I guess what I'm trying to understand is why are Christians nowadays are so complacent with injustices and and I don't know of an example in, in the United States, a good example. Oh, a good example would be the immigrants that come through the Mexican border mm-hmm. um, and Republicans not supporting them, even though they're Christian.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So just to kind of put this, I guess, in one question, is there a place for, for, for being political when you are a religious Christian? And what does it look like to be political as a Christian?
1: I think absolutely there is, Um, but we don't fight evil with more evil. And so, if one side's killing, it's not just to kill them back. You know, it was taught before an eye for an eye, Um, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. You know, so I
0: love that. I've never heard that phrase.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's difficult. You say like Christians are complacent. In a way, I wonder if they are. I mean we've seen a lot of good Christian examples that have led to like, I guess the question things, would
0: be are they know. because yeah. for Russia? Yes. I can 100% see mm-hmm. the patriarch, the, the leader of Russian church is completely complacent. Yeah. With what Putin is doing. Yeah. So let me pose it more as a, of a question. Mm-hmm. Are Christian Christians complacent to the injustices in, in, in the governments and the countries that they live in?
1: I think you've got to know their fruit. I mean, if the Christian is given in to bribery, if they're giving in to idolatry, if they're giving in to lewd acts, if they're using that position of power, maybe in Russia, I mean, my family's from Venezuela, and I know that the corrupt practices... I didn't know that. Yeah, well, half of my dad's side, yeah. And I know that the corrupt practices, I mean we were, we had, um, some influence there too. I mean, my, my uncle sold his house to Maduro's wife, which was a dictator's wife, one of his houses for many million dollars. And there is a sense of what's more important, money and power or God and his love. And we often, um, just give up on money and power. I mean, and you know, there's, there's Christians here in America who, lead churches and have millions of dollars.
0: Scientology church, for instance?
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But even Christian churches, you know.
0: And I feel like you don't consider a Scientology Christian church?
1: Not necessarily. I feel like they add a lot of um interesting stories. Mm-hmm. I haven't really dived deeply but from the so surface is level is my yeah.
0: mind when I think about an, any any person believing in Christ, mm-hmm. I think of them as Christians. So it's really interesting that you said that you made that separation.
1: You know, demons believe in Christ and um, demons believe in God. Um, I think the interesting thing is. Do you claim Jesus as Lord and do you let his Lordship reign in your life? Mm. As as an example, you know, you'll know them by their fruit Mm. and the fruits being kindness, goodness, love, joy, peace. And if they're in Russia, not pushing an agenda of peace and of love and of long suffering, patience being the term, kindness, goodness, gentleness. They don't push these things, and they—they're they're not fruitful Christians. They're Christian by name, but not by their heart. They don't know God's love. Mm. Even more so if they're in a position of power. I'm—I'm I'm grateful that I'm pretty unknown because mm. my day to day is—is pretty miraculous, in my opinion. Yeah. The interactions that I have with people at Panera Bread, at Starbucks. Those things matter to me.
0: That's awesome. We touched upon politics and religion, so I wanted to um, hone in on that a little bit. Would you say that the state is separate from the church in the United States? And in what way?
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. I mean, and more and more so. The state right now, I work in um, education, and so part of my um, day-to-day is just being current on what the curriculum uh being pushed on kids is nowadays Mm -hmm. and one of the things that they're uh, legislating for is a new um sex ed that is even younger you know they're how young um i believe it is sixth grade that you're encouraged to explore homosexuality and at first grade you're encouraged to masturbate so what That's, that's, it's an article in the Sun that was released recently about that. I believe, I believe those were the dates. Yeah. And so, um, you know, people who don't even know, who don't even know Jesus, who don't know the love of God, they're able to see this is evil, black and white. And, and that's pretty scary. That's pretty scary to me when the evil is so apparent that we, we can even tell without having to know God.
0: Wow. So on the topic of, uh, religion and state, so this is probably a foreign concept to you. Let Mm -hmm. me share something with you. Currently in Russia and again, post-Soviet union world, um, there is a very well-defined system for politics and religion. Each religious group has an institution which represents its congregation and it is on the federal level higher than any local body. So an example would be say, New York Islamic chapter or California Islamic cha- chapter is the head of all Muslims in America. So they have the system where you, as a Christian and Jewish or Muslim, have that kind of chapter, a federal chapter that represents mm-hmm. you on the country, country country level. The history of this phenomenon comes from Tsarism, where you have one, one, like one of my CTOs used to say, one neck to choke. Yeah. And the leaders of those chapters are assigned by the government or military adjacent institutions. As far as I know, it's not the case in the United States. Every religious institution represents itself. There is no head of Christianity in the United States or the head of Islam in the United States or Judaism. When you hear that in some countries, they have systems like that what comes
1: to mind uh it's it's kind of scary i think what comes to mind is that we are trying to raise up somebody to something that is man-made we're trying to turn religion man-made mm. which is kind of crazy i mean religion is about god and his love for us um and how we can express that and how we can connect but we are trying to make it an institution we're trying to make it like a company a corporation or we're trying and to they also have Bob?
0: salaries they paid i'm salaries. sure they
1: do that's terrible i mean we have to provide for our religious leaders but i'm sure that their salaries are pretty big probably mm-hmm. more than just enough to get by
0: they, they the, the leader of christian church drives really good cars i'm sure i'm kind of jealous me too <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people say that i get yeah. paid by yeah. the american government to do this to podcast? do
1: what <laughs> yeah right you <laughs> probably paid for this space
0: <laughs> i paid for this space but Absolutely, when i think about uh, and god is
1: honoring that and blessing your growth thank you. amen Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: when i think about patriarchal the leader of christian church and how much money he has and what kind of cars he drives mm. i also feel jealous yeah it's like your government pays you so well and <laughs> mm-hmm. i um i buy scarves on amazon so i'm yeah. waiting for that upgrade
1: God is so good though, you know, he is. Yeah. And the reason I say that is like, um, I made substantially more working as a CEO for my own tech company Mm. and working as, um, you know, than I do now. And I call myself the director of operations, but really it's because my employer said I couldn't give myself any title. And so really I'm just a PE teacher. Mm. And, um, I wanted to like say something nice coming onto a podcast, but really I'm just a PE teacher Yeah. and. I think that when you get all those things i mean how distracting they must be how Mm. how distracting they must be from loving on other people
0: but here's another thing people use people very often say that to be a good christian or a good muslim or a good religious person you have to be poor
1: you don't have to be poor
0: like like you said all of those things are destruction right
1: yeah i think that it's you know the saying people think money is evil the correct saying in the bible is the love of money is evil.
0: No way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The love of money is evil. Money is not evil. No one reads money, the entire yeah.
0: thing anymore. Yeah. Well, <laughs> check it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, it's just a tool. Just yeah. like Instagram can be evil or not. It's a tool.
0: I have a different opinion. I yeah. I I think religious people should be rich. Yeah. Because who else should be entrusted with that much money
1: mm-hmm.
0: other than God fearing people.
1: Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think, you know, to, to, to your credit, I think religious people should kind of be rich too. And you know, what is a, a, a this is going to sound bad, but like here in America, we pay our athletes or, or like $40 million a year, maybe on average mm-hmm. to catch a football on mm-hmm. television. They play a sport for two hours and we pay our social workers very very little for having masters degrees and these are the people who are saving lives keeping our kids out of penitentiaries keeping our suicide rates down um these are the people on the front lines who are really impacting people in a way that that God's love is and it kind of just goes to show th- their salaries are so low mm. and it kind of just goes to show where just another example of the brokenness the brokenness and thank God that we have a savior yeah you know
0: i i also very perplexed by that mm-hmm. that athletes make that much money or artists make that much money at the same time i'm a capitalist yeah i believe that you have an opportunity to make as much money as you want i and that's your right yeah to do to do so i wanted to wrap this up with some rapid fire questions okay ready cool who is that one person who changed your entire life?
1: Uh, Jesus, <laughs> God's love.
0: What's the most painful thing you've ever been told?
1: You cannot change this. No matter how much we pour money into something, how much we pour love into something, how patient we are with something, there are certain things we just have to accept. And it's because we're not the control. We're not the ones who are controlling things. We don't want. We shouldn't be the ones in control. God is.
0: How was it? Why was it painful?
1: Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that are tough. I'm going back to a situation that happened to me yesterday. Um, yesterday I was at Panera bread and the guy behind the counter was dealing with something. Um, he, so I can tell like he was just out of place. Like he wasn't doing his job properly as a worker at Panera bread. And so I was like, Hey man, what's going on? He's like, I've had a really, really bad day, but his style of communicating was like, even like, it wasn't just like I had a really bad day. He was like, today was awful. Mm. And like kind of very out of, out of, out of whack. And so I was like, well, tell me about it. And like, there's no one in line. <laughs> I'll listen to you for a little bit. And when we went outside, like it just so happens, like I finished eating and I threw out my trash and he was just standing right behind me, ready to continue the conversation. And his shift was over and we went outside and we started talking and I was ready to tell him the gospel. I was ready to tell him about God's love and, and what Jesus did on the cross and what his resurrection means and what it means to be a sinner and what what could be the answer to his yearning I could tell he was looking for something, but the Lord kind of pretty easily told me, he's like, this person's heart's close to it before we even had a discussion. This person's heart is close to it. I can feel it in the spirit. I'm like he's not going to receive your words. I'm not giving him faith. God gives the faith. It's not even that's, that's something that most Christians don't even get like even like strong believers. They're saved by grace through faith that faith is not the internal faith of this chair is going to support me when I go to Starbucks, they're going to have coffee. If I drink water, I'll be less thirsty. It's a faith that is also a gift from God. You know, God chooses who, who has that faith, you know, and he's patient with us to get there. Mm -hmm. But a heart that's not ready. That was really hard for me because at the end, when, when, when that conversation ended, he drove away and he opened his window and he's like, you're a liar. Mm -hmm. As he pulled away. I was like, I don't even know what I lied about. I just told them, like, hey, man, you're not ready to receive this gospel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finish off this sentence.
1: Mm-hmm. I miss. I miss. I'm very content. I I, I miss um, having more of the spirit, more community. You know, in my life, I've had so many relationships with so many people. And if there was one thing that I wish I could do is... Um, to continue those friendships and to have that close community again. And I believe God will bring that again one day. Mm. Um, I miss those friends.
0: Finish off this other sentence. I wish i
1: I wish everyone knew what God's love was like.
0: Mm. What's the purpose of life?
1: Um, the purpose of life is Christ to glorify God. I mean, Jesus. Jesus is the purpose of life. It's quite simple in that.
0: And my last question is what is freedom?
1: Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. Most people think freedom is freedom to, but freedom is freedom from. Um, it's freedom from our bad habits. It's freedom from anger. It's freedom from sadness. It's freedom from. Resentment and grudges—that's freedom. Freedom is not the ability to go and have whatever you want, whenever you want it. That's a different shackle. Mm. Yeah.
0: Is there anything that you wanted to share that we didn't cover? Any last yeah.
1: thoughts? um I have one last thought. Um, have you ever heard of the concept of communism? Yes. You have. Yes. Tell me what is it? Just to see from the same. One,
0: the same um. The version of communism that i experienced not I,
1: communism common ism uh-huh
0: communism yeah no i've never heard that before okay
1: communism is a failed attempt at communism communism is what happened in the first century church when um people came together and they sold all their possessions and they just lived in a community sharing bread dispersing all they had so that they were all equal in that regard they didn't do it out of obligation like communism does. They did it out of love for one another. So they came into a common way of life. They all were united under God's love and his spirit and the example Jesus had. Mm. And so it can't be forced upon people. Like we can't be forced to be communistic because it's just we can't be forced to do anything. We can't even be forced to accept grace like I wanted to impart on this man. Mm. I had nothing to give him but the answers for the the philosophical journey he was on. I was like, hey man, you're starving spiritually. You're looking for bread. I'm just another starving guy who knows where the bread's at. And I want to point you to where the bread's at. Mm. And he wasn't ready to just make the, the journey to the bread. He wasn't ready to believe that the bread was there. All he had to do was go and find out for himself. I had nothing to take for him. So That's why,
0: you know, I'm sure yeah. you had these experiences where you give somebody an advice and then they turn around and they say, hey, I heard this advice from somebody else. And that advice sounds exactly what you said. Oh yeah, But they received it better.
1: Absolutely. That's a good thing. That's a good thing that you brought up. I mean, there is, you know, knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. Mm. And if you tell somebody what they need to hear, when they didn't need to hear it, or not when they needed to hear it, they'll resent you, especially with things about love and relationships and romance. Mm. That stuff, unfortunately, we put on a, spiritual plane which it might need to be i think that's an amazing thing um how awesome that how do you know when to
0: Mm -hmm. say say you have the right thing to say but how do you know when to say it
1: when the heart is ready to receive it you have to be able to discern a person's heart you have to be able to see their heart and you can't see a person's Mm -hmm. heart as a human that has to be given to you by god that's why um godly wisdom and earthly wisdom are two different types of wisdom Mm. Mm -hmm. you
0: know I don't often use the word wisdom in my day-to-day. And I think I also don't often hear it from people. So hearing you speak reminded me of how I was when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I actually craved wisdom. I cared about that word so much. I cared about where the information came from, who was the person sharing it? Do they have the credibility to speak to me like that or share the knowledge? It's so interesting how I personally changed. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but I don't think about wisdom, generally speaking. I don't think about my colleagues being able to share something with me and and, and that coming from a place of wisdom.
1: You know, wisdom so important. I have another way to talk about wisdom that may, might be funnier mm. too. Um, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's how yeah. I would explain it to kids. I love that. Yeah. That's that's really easy to digest. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome.